born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Years ago, whenever I was Colorado at all, and even though I had a lot of people that liked to preach, and when it came to camp, I just about did all the speaking. I could I, I speak on every subject. And I was very convinced that they can't do as good a job as I can. So I wanted to do it all. Of course, by the end of the week, I'm dead. I mean, I did the activities. I did the firehouse five. I did most of the speaking. And I would do the devotions at night. I tried to do it all. And I find out one man can try to do it all and do the work of ten men, or it's easier to get ten men to do the work. And so as I have progressed down the road in realizing that you're not going to be here forever, you need to let some of these other ones learn how to, to speak and the subjects. And so I, most of them I gave them subject, you speak on this, you speak on this, you speak on this. Of course, most of them never keep on subject, but they do a pretty good job. I mean, once in a while they would hit you know, on the subject, but... I want them to have a little creativity, and buddy, they did, and they did a super job. And I, I felt like if I was to die today, they could keep camp going and ranch going and, and keep things moving in the same direction because I think they know, and they have a passion. They, they love the kids, and um, I think they'll do a super job. But it says, in honor, preferring one another. Look in Philippians in chapter 2, in verse 2. Philippians chapter 2. Just turn to your right there, just a few scriptures. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, when he's talking to them about being of the same mind. See, the Bible also says in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 about being in the same mind, that there be no divisions in your doctrine. So we know we're supposed to be like that. But in verse 2, look what he says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be alike-minded. Isn't it wonderful when everybody's on the same page? And everybody thinks the same way, feels the same way. And wants to get something done. And yet at the same time, God says, now, you have different ministries, different gifts. You are unique. This is where Mel's Carbonell comes in good with his little teaching on explaining to people how different you are. And yet how you need everybody else. Because everybody, somebody, everyone is your master in something. And you can learn from everybody. Because somebody, everybody knows something you don't know. And you should strive to learn what it is that he knows that you don't know so that you can learn from everybody, every individual. But anyway, when he makes a statement here in verse 2, he says, Be ye like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. In other words, God's people should think like one person. We believe the same way. 
That's the purpose and the goal of a church where everybody's on the same page. We love the Lord and we want to get things done for the Lord. And he makes a statement here in verse 3. Let nothing be done through stripe or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. That's humility. Let each esteem other better than themselves. In your mind, you're always striving to be the one that helps the other. I want to help this person. I want, remember that little statement I often make, uh, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better than your better best. Well, apply that to people. You want to try to help them to be better than what they are. You always see the teenagers, not as what they are right now, but what they can become down the road. Because see, you, you have to have a vision for them to give them a vision. See, I want to give them a vision. So what is my vision for them? So I have to see something that they could do down the road that they're going to want and love and desire. And so you're trying to plant that inside of them so that next thing you know, they have a desire, a burden, a vision. They want to do something. Because life is short, and we want to accomplish what we can while we can. And then he makes a statement here in verse 4, Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So if you'll get a better idea of that, look at verse 21, same chapter. For all seek their own, not the thing which are Jesus Christ. In other words, as you get closer to the Lord, you know God loves that teenager. God loves that young college kid. And God wants the best for them. And the closer you get to God, the more you want God to help you help that person reach what God wants them to have. You want God to use you to help that person be what God wants them to be. Because God uses people. And you want God to use you. So that's why you don't want to say or do something in your life or your testimony that would keep people from being what God wants them to be. You don't want to discourage people. I want everybody to feel like I have a, a place. I have a little niche I have my job description. This is what I do. This is how I help. When I first started coming down here to Calvary, you remember I kept saying how much y'all seem like y'all love the Lord and you love the gospel. Well, people that love the gospel will love the ministry that promotes the gospel. So we want to try to develop as many fishing holes as possible. Why? So more people can go fishing. I don't want to just talk about fishing. We know the seven steps. We know all this stuff. So then we have meetings upon meetings upon meetings. But nobody does fishing. We want to go fishing. So we have a little fishing hole here and a little fishing hole here and a fishing hole here. And little by little, we might even have a fishing hole at a nursing home. We might have a fishing hole at a, at a, you know, a prison or a nudist colony. Well... I was told they have one not far up the road up here. And uh, we got to have somebody to have a ministry to them. <laughs> Dan Hall just volunteered. <laughs> Who said he's going to go? Tom Stubb. He's the only one I would trust. <laughs> oh, me. But see, that, but you have to have a, a vision. Uh, some lady came up to me and she says, I do Braille. And she can write stuff. So she gave me a, a heaven track in Braille and I let Tom read it <laughs> with his fingers. Because he can't see a lick. And so we're going to try to get that and print it up and then put it into places where they can do that in libraries so that they can have the heaven track. But that's a vision. One little lady had that that comes to church and she says, I can do that. 
well, that's a great idea. And then I want to get the heaven track or my, my book, a couple of books that I got. I want to get them into Spanish because I, would, I wish I could speak Spanish. But we have people here that can speak Spanish. And they can read it and say, well, this is not right, this isn't right, and this is what we need to change, and have it where it's doctrinally correct. So there's so much that we need to do, but you need to be thinking in your mind. How can God use me? Who could I help? So you may not be able to have a particular meaning, but you can help somebody in a ministry. Without helpers, man, there's so much that goes undone. Because everybody needs help. And just like I needed at camp, we had to have somebody help Tracy just a little bit. And little did Tracy was going to camp and she was going to have her own room at night so she can get a good night's sleep at night. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. So next thing you know, Tracy has four little darlings in there, little bitty kids. And, I, and where, where did about 30 kids, yours and her, about 30 kids, with one wall between me and those 30 kids. Did I hear those kids at night? No, not really. I was so tired when I went to bed, boom, I'm out. But I thought that's the best place for them. And so we put them right there where I was staying, me and Betty, and they had a, they had a nice place. But I, I, but I appreciate Tracy. She had to adapt. See, sometimes in serving, you have to adjust. You have to adjust. Uh, James would just get back from downtown, and we'd think, oh, we need something else. <laughs> there he goes again, 30 miles. But see, but we had to have something. And so sometimes you wish you could just... Relax. Well, camp's not the place for that. Uh, how many of you think the camp that you went to camp, that's a vacation? I used to have people say, well, you're going on another vacation. Yes, it's a vacation. Not really. I was really thankful that Mr. and Mrs. Polson were able to go to camp and uh, to have a chance to be there and, and see it. Because sometimes, you know, when you don't go, and they, and they survived. You survived it, right? And... Uh, <laughs> But they had some old ladies they had to deal with, and uh, you know, and everything worked out super. It was it was really great. But um, anyway, it's talking about because of what God has done for us. Look, look at that verse I was going to show you. I was going to have you read there in verse twenty-one. For all seek their own, and not the things which are Jesus Christ. In other words, we're always looking out for myself, me, my. But the mind of Christ is that you're looking out for others, and you want to help them and build them up. And when you want to do that, see, it eliminates pride because, see, pride exalts you. Humility, you exalt them. And you think the best about people, and you try to see the, what you can do to help individuals to become what God wants them to be. And it's so very, very important. Look there again, back there in the book of Romans. And look in verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Now, in the book of Galatians in chapter 6, it says, pray for one another and do good. But it says, especially to the household of faith, especially to God's children. So we should be a blessing to the world, but especially to God's people. Because see, you should want the best for God's children. And you need to be careful that you don't say or do something that would destroy the will, the desire, the love... And a child of God, be it husband or be it wife or be your own children, trying to encourage and they're the ones that are, should be the most important. You want them to have the most when they get to heaven because, because that's what love does. Love challenges, love motivates. Look what he says down here in verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. In other words, the word hope 
is believing, believing that your service will pay off. Don't you believe that? So you present this thing here about rejoicing now for tomorrow. Rejoicing now because you're serving the Lord now, but you're going to be rewarded later. And you believe what God says, and it challenges it. It motivates you. So you've got to have something personal of why you do what you do. Patient in tribulation. It didn't say you're going to be without tribulation. Serve the Lord without problems, without tribulation. It's amazing that every time you want to serve the Lord and do something great for the Lord, there's always something that seems to go wrong. There's always problems. There's health problems. There's physical problems. There's the financial problem. There's social problems. There's always problems. So why don't we just make a rule? Let's, we'll serve the Lord as soon as we get all these problems solved. Then we'll really do something once we get all these problems solved. That'll never happen. It won't happen. You have to serve the Lord with them. With all the problems. And that's why you've got to be patient. And let God open doors. And God will close doors. And trust the Lord to lead and guide. And, and don't worry about it. And just do what you can with what you've got where you are. But give to the Lord all that you have. Patient in tribulation. Continue an instant in prayer. It means ready to pray at any time. Always stay ready. Because... You don't know when something is going to happen and you need to pray. Isn't it nice to always have that power? You can pray at any time and get a hold of God. And God, as a verse in the Old Testament, we covered it, I think, the last um, iron sharpeneth iron, where it talks about, uh, Lord, help me speedily. Help me speedily. I saw that verse one day and I said, Lord, that's, that's me. <laughs> I mean, right away. I mean, I don't like it when God is so... He, he answered down the road. I'm, I, I want it now. I, I, and you say, well, you need patience. I don't need any more. i got enough patience. I, I, I want the Lord and I move. <laughs> and sometimes God will do things in his own timing. But you've got to learn to trust the Lord. But always be ready to pray. So look in verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. It means to bless them, to pray for them. It doesn't mean to stand in front of them and go like this. I've blessed you. Bless you, child. What he's actually saying is, okay, all you swabbies, get off the lawn. <laughs> I don't know where they come from. Huh? But we should be a blessing to people. And not everybody is going to love what you do or appreciate what you do, but you want to bless back. You want to pray for those that persecute you. That's found in the book of Matthew. But look what he says. In verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. See, serving the Lord is feeling other people's hurt within you. You have compassion. That's why it says in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 9 when Christ says, uh, you killed the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And he says he looked upon the people as sheep having no shepherd and he was moved with Compassion. That means he felt their hurt in his heart. And where you hurt for people. And you can rejoice and laugh with them. And then sometimes you may be sitting beside a bedside with somebody and you'll weep with them. Because you care about people. But see, God's talking about let your love be without dissimulation. It means without hypocrisy. It has to be real. Only the Lord can cause it to be real. 
if you're real with him, then everything else will be fine. You keep this right between you and the Lord, and this will take care of itself. This will take care of itself. Just be genuine this way. And so um, keep it in mind. Look at it in verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. You know what I used to always do? And I mentioned this at camp. I used to have this a belief only because I saw the year before the great work that Mel's Carbonell had done uh, with reaching football players. And I thought because they reached these key football players and they came to ranch, they got a lot of kids to come ranch. And a lot of them trusted the Lord. But not everybody's a key football player. Not everybody's a cheerleader. Nobody, everybody's on a, you know, the student government. There's a lot of kids that are down and out. And some kids are just plain lonely. And that's why I like to tell the Jim Tension story. Because he was everything that nobody wants to be. You couldn't get much lower but to show how God can use him. And so in serving the Lord, it's believing that God can use anybody and everybody for his honor and glory. And if you want to serve the Lord, you can't show partiality. You're supposed to love every one of them and try to help every one of them. And that's why he's talking about here. Be not wise in your own conceit. That means thinking that you are better. You ever seen a person who's, what, what do you think is a conceited person? Oh, he's so conceited. What do you think it means? He conceded. The Bible talks about us lifting up others, humbling ourselves. But when you become so conceited and thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, that's not good. And that's why he says there in verse 3, look at verse 3 again. But I say though through the grace given in me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Do you believe that God wants every child of God to serve him? If you do, and you want to serve God, you have to serve even the lowest person. And we think sometimes, well, they're there to serve me and make me happy. <laughs> it won't work that way. Look what he said in verse 70. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Serving the Lord, you've got to be honest. You've got to be an honest person. I think you ought to be honest on your job, honest with your husband, honest with your wife, honest with your kids. Because if you're not an honest person, God's not going to use you faithfully. There'll be moments of glory, but I'm talking about the long haul, the consistent, the marathon. You might do right all right on sprints, but for the long haul, you're not going to run the race. You're not going to finish and so you need to be an honest individual. In verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I believe that means being peace with my kids or my husband or my wife or the people in the church. You always strive to be a peacemaker. The Bible says that in the book of Matthew, in the Beatitudes, being a peacemaker. Make peace. You know, some people, I think in their, their life, they, you ever heard of a troublemaker? Now, a troublemaker and a peacemaker, they're not necessarily the same. Now, Christ caused trouble while he was trying to make peace. But it's because people wouldn't listen to what he had to say, and that can happen to you. But make sure that you're not trying to be a troublemaker, seeking to be antagonistic, just causing trouble. You, you don't want to do that. 
But he says in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Somebody does you wrong, you don't have to do them wrong back. That's where the patience comes in. Let God deal with them. And you don't have to. You do not pray, Lord, let me be your avenging angel. And then you think, well, if I can just take them down, Lord, I know it's, it's your hand upon me. <laughs> not to take vengeance, but rather give place under wrath. In other words, give it some time, give it some room. So how, how long should it, some people can count to 10 and they cool down. Some people can count to 50 and they cool down. You may have to count to a million. But be long-fused, not short-fused. That's why he talked about being long-suffering. You suffer long. And be patient. And let God deal with things. Let God work. God will do it. And he says, and I, he says, the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. You can't serve God and lose. In your mind, you've got to believe that. If I serve God, I cannot lose. I may not gain it here, but I'll gain it there. I will not lose serving God. There's nothing that I have ever given up in this life that's going to stay given up. Remember a man made this statement? I gave it to you last week. A man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You're gaining something you can't lose. You don't lose putting God first. And then in verse 20 where he makes the statement, Therefore if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing that, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now there's two ways of looking at that. Coals of fire upon the head. One is when they get to hell... It's just like throwing coals in there on the top of his head. Or in the Bible customs when people needed heat in their fireplace. And your, their fire went out. So what they would do is they'd go to their neighbor and ask for some hot coals. And then they would carry those hot coals back to their place and they would have enough to start them a fire. And so your good deeds that you're doing is like giving your neighbor who's done you wrong, hot coals to warm their, by the fire. So it's a good thing that you can do. But I don't think that I'm supposed to look at it as if time I do you good, I'm really sticking it to you. I think it's uh, we're doing something that is counterproductive of what they would think. You're not rendering evil for evil. If people do you wrong, but you're going to do them right back. And so um, I believe it's good. See there in verse 21, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, Doug Stroop at our camp last year, he had a little song that went with this. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Remember that? Uh, I don't know the song, but I know that uh, the kids really enjoyed it. And so um, he would play it and the kids would sing it and they would act it out. And it was... Uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> kind of stupid, but kids like stupid stuff. And, uh, and, and a few adults like stupid stuff, too. So, do y'all know that song? Have y'all done it since then? No, we had practice Okay, you going to get it down? You got to get it down and do it in church one day. <laughs> I think it would be a riot. But anyway, Lord's been good to us, and we had a great camp, and I appreciate all those that went and worked and I don't know if they've caught up on all their sleep yet 
That might take another week. Look up here. This hand is you and me. The wallet, it's all of our sins. God says we have all sinned. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. So we're all condemned. Christ didn't come to condemn us. Why? We were already condemned. That's in John 3, 17. The Bible says that God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. But because of sin, we can't get in. So we've got to do something about this. So people think if they do enough good things... It'll pay for a cover up all these bad things they do. See there? You can't see them. No, it's under there. And God doesn't see our good work. He says all of your good works are filthy rags. So we can't save ourselves. So therefore it cannot be by works. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And he says, the only thing anybody in the world has to do to go to heaven is to believe that he did it for them. And if you'll believe he did it for you, he puts the payment he made to your account, you have a payment for your sins. See, I can't go to hell because I don't have any sins to pay for. I have a payment for mine. They're all paid. He did it for me. Why? Because I'm so good? No, because he loved me. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I'm a dirty, lousy, stinking, rotten sinner. I ought to go to hell, and I know it. And you do too. But God loves us, and he wants us to go to heaven. So he went and paid for our sins. And he only asked you, will you believe it? If you'll believe it, you'll be right there along with all the good guys. You'll be there with all the Old Testament prophets. You'll be there with Jesus. You'll be there with David and, and Joseph and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and they'll come from the north, the east, the south and the west. We'll all be together. But there's some going to be on the outside that can't come. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and thrown into the furnace of fire. It didn't have to be that way. That's why he pleads over and over and over again and he told the stories where they could understand it. They'd only listen to him. Do you know we have people today that still can't fathom this? And even after they're told it's free, I'll never believe that. You make it too easy. Okay, well, I'll try to make it hard. <laughs> no. God does love us. Paid for our sins. Would you believe he did it for you? How many of you in here have already believed it? Let me see your hand. All right, put your hand down. They're not going to heaven because they're good. I know some of them. It's because they believe that when Christ died, he died for them. You can do this. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. In the quietness of this moment, no one looking around. Would you right now just say, Look, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died and paid for my sins. And I don't want to be left out. I don't want the weeping, the wailing, the gnashing of teeth. I don't want to be thrown into a furnace of fire. I don't want that. So right now, the best I know how, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And friend, God said, if you'll believe it, he will save you and give you eternal life. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. God loves you so much. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to have prayer for you. I really would. 
So with head bowed and eyes closed, anyone on before we close say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior. It's my only hope of going to heaven. We'll just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? If you have already trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. But chances are you know people that's never understood, never trusted the Lord. It's a serious thing. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to teach your word. And we pray your blessings upon those that are watching by internet and those in the auditorium. Help us understand your word and to take it the way we should. To believe it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.